What do you do when the standard by which you measured everything is put on trial? Major League Baseball was at its lowest point after the 94-95 season. It was totally lost due to the strike until Mark McGuire broke the record for the most home runs in one season. And baseball was on top again. Even if you weren't a Cardinals fan, you found yourself loving baseball again. You found yourself playing baseball with your friends or playing catch with your children. There were whispers of steroids, but we didn't let that dampen our spirits, did we? Until recently, when players went before a congressional congressional hearing in regard to steroid use in that era, it changed the face of our uh, nation's pastime. But today, we're going to talk about another standard that was on trial, the penultimate standard by which every man and woman will be judged, the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the one that John said created all things, the world knew him not. And what we'll see in this story is the necessity for the cross. And with the necessity of the cross, we'll see kind of three things as well. Uh, Christ endured injustice so that you and I might be acquitted. Christ uh, was rejected so that you and I may be accepted. And Christ died in our place so that we may receive salvation. I'm going to read uh, just a short uh, portion of that passage one more time. Uh, We've seen that uh, Christ was unjustly uh, put on trial and and, uh, found guilty. Uh, He's gone before Herod. He's now before uh, Pilate. So I'm just going to read verses 18 through 25 because that's where I'm going to focus majority of our time uh, this evening. It says, but they all cried out. So they, as in the same folks who just a week earlier, as he was, uh, Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, was saying, Hosanna in the highest. So they cried uh, all out together, away with this man and release us to Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? The evil, uh, what evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, uh, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. Let me uh, ask uh, the Lord to bless our time together. Father, as we open your word, might you send your spirit. Help us to see Jesus. Help us to see the the great love in which he has loved us. And help us to... Help us to rest in your promises, for we pray this through Christ. Amen. What do we do when we see injustice, uh, when we read about it, when we see it uh, in the news stories? We get angry, we get frustrated. Uh, and if you're like me, reading through the story, that's precisely what we are called, and in some ways called to, to feel as we see Jesus endure injustice so that we might be acquitted. And I use those words uh, purposely. Um, here is 
as I stated before, the Son of God, right? The one who's created all things on trial for something that he has not done. Or for the, uh, actually proving what he's been saying, uh, who he is and what he, and what he's done and what he's here for. Um, but the Sanhedrin's argument against Jesus, even though they were teachers of the law, they should have known, uh, who they were dealing, dealing with, missed it. Totally missed who Jesus was. Um, in fact, what we see really in verses 4, 14, 15, 20, 22, is Pilate constantly saying, this man has done nothing. You're, you're unjustly putting him on trial. I see no guilt in him. Uh, in fact, what he says is, he's uh, to, to maybe assuage the wrath of the mob, uh, is that he'll punish him. Now, that word in the Greek actually means possibly scourge him, uh, which is a, an intense punishment. But what did the, what did the crowd uh, desire? Crucify him. Uh, we want him to be put to death. He was unjustly uh, deemed uh, guilty. Uh, his trial was a sham. It was in the, the middle of the night. It wasn't before uh, the congregation. It wasn't uh, as it should have been. Uh, things were trying to be uh, you know, sped up so that they could get through this. They were tired of the claims that Jesus was making about himself. And they, and they felt as if, if we can just get rid of this guy, everything will be just okay. Now, there was some truth to that. And we'll talk a little bit about that here in a few minutes. There was compelling uh, evidence of who actually Jesus is. We see in his earthly ministry, uh, he's given sight to the blind. He's uh, made the lame walk. Uh, He's raised people from the dead. He's preached the good news of God's grace and mercy to the poor. He has demonstrated he is indeed the Son of God, worthy of all worship. Yet, and as we talked about even in the beginning of the service, the, the sole purpose of Jesus uh, entering into our world was so that he would endure injustice so that we, you and I, might be acquitted. Now, that's precisely uh, how uh, the, the verdict that Barabbas got, is it not? When, when the, uh, the mob called for... Uh, Barabbas, what they were wanting uh, Pilate to do, and, and is because he had the only uh, power to to put someone to death, is to declare Barabbas innocent. But what do we know about Barabbas from this uh, passage? He was uh, put on put on trial, found guilty for insurrection and murder. Now, uh, many scholars think that what that means is he, he basically led a revolt against Rome. He, he maybe even killed some of uh, uh, Rome's rulers. And that is a federal offense uh, in the eyes of Caesar. Now, it wasn't just that they would put him to death. They, they, would, they would actually kind of uh, really make a spectacle out of those who sought to undermine uh, Rome's authority by hanging them on the cross. Uh, and many scholars uh, believe that is the most excruciating way a person could die. Uh, so it's sought to, to produce fear uh, in the public. 
And that's precisely uh, the, the, the guilty plea uh, that was made on, uh, on Jesus. Uh, he died uh, the most excruciating death anyone in all of history could die. So that you and I might be uh, found not guilty. Uh, all of scripture has, has proven that we are deserving of God's wrath ever since Genesis 3. Uh, Adam and Eve and all those who come after them, they are deserving uh, total uh, destruction, judgment, God's wrath, and anger for eternity. That is precisely what you and I deserve. And instead of us, we see Jesus going and taking the punishment that you and I deserve. So that, so that uh, by faith in Him, the Father sees us as not guilty. He repairs that broken relationship. We are acquitted of our sins against a holy and righteous and angry God. What grace, what mercy you and I have in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we hear about wrongful accusations, years spent in jail uh, fighting for their convictions, um, we want to make things right again. Uh, and we should, we should feel that way. When we uh, hear of millions and millions of children dying every year, it should infuriate us. But it, sh- it pales in comparison to the kind of fury that the Lord had against us for our sin. We demand justice, yet we do not receive it. Christ did, the righteous and holy one who has fulfilled the righteous standard of the law in our place. And what we this is just a microcosm of of or or just the way that that God has dealt with his people throughout history. You know when you, when we think of the many stories in which God has uh demonstrated his power and his glory and his justice particularly on uh, his enemies, what, what comes to mind? What comes to my mind is Israel, right? In the world, or uh, in Egypt. They were uh, f- oppressed for 400 years. And we see in, in uh, Exodus, God delivering them out of slavery with a mighty hand. He pours out justice on those who seek to... Uh, oppress his people. And and God has always been acting that way throughout history. That's one example. Even in um, when Adam and Eve were uh, had rebelled against uh, him and eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we see a God who pursues uh, after those who have uh, uh, rebelled against him and, and rightly and justly casting them out of the garden. Uh, we studied in... Um, in youth Sunday school class about that's actually a demonstration of his grace and his mercy. He desired to, to uh, be in right relationship uh, with his people and he kept them from eating of the tree of, of uh, knowledge and good, uh, good and evil as, as well as a tree of life where 
if they ate of that tree, that, that they would stay in that condition, that fallen condition forever. So God has always been about redeeming a people for himself and doing and demonstrating this power uh, mightily. And we'll see him do that uh, here in a few minutes. In addition to seeing uh, Christ, uh, I guess, abandoned or rejected or uh, unjustly deemed guilty so that we might be acquitted, we also must see Christ rejected so that we might be accepted or embraced as God's children. I want to focus in on um, Barabbas' story. There were three crosses, if you remember, and we know two crosses were for thieves, right? And the middle cross was for who? Now, exactly, someone said Jesus. The initial answer could have been, well, it's, it was made, it was for Barabbas. Um, but no, this was God's plan all along. The cross was always, always for Jesus. The necessity for the cross was, uh, was paramount, was central for our salvation so that we might be accepted and embraced as the children of God. We, once again, we see Pilate, uh, cowering to the desire of the mob um, when he gave Jesus over uh, to punish them, for to release uh, Barabbas and to punish Jesus, kind of gave in to their will, as uh, verse 25 speaks of. Uh, what's, what, what's beautiful is, you know, just think about who Barabbas is and what he's done. He's led a revolt against Rome. He's killed people. You know, you think of the the dreg of society, the worst of the worst. That was Barabbas. And did he die? No. Who who bore who died in the in the place of his cross? The innocent one, the holy one, uh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, died in his place. And I think it's a beautiful picture of God's grace and mercy. I think. Uh, Luke was intentional about putting that story in, not just to capture history, but I think he wanted us to relate to a couple people in this story. He wanted us to relate to the mob. Uh, just If we were in the same place as the mob, we would have said, crucify him. If we were in the same place uh, as Barabbas, we would have sought uh, to be freed Right, so that we could overthrow Rome one more time. But instead, what we see is Jesus dying in the place of Barabbas. We are the worst of the worst in terms of sinning against the Lord. That is our status apart from God's work on our behalf. We should relate to Barabbas. But what do we see happening? We see Jesus going to the cross instead of Barabbas as his substitute in his place. So if we are to relate to Barabbas, then the same thing could be said about us. Dredge of society, rebellious against God and breaking his law. We deserve, we deserve the cross. But what we see is Jesus dying or, or taking the play, our place, um, on the cross so that you and I might be embraced as his children. 
This was God's plan. Before time began, God ordained this to be. And it was so. And it's the only way, it's the only way that you and I can be found acceptable in the sight of the Lord. It's the only way that we can bridge the gap, the relational gap between us and God. That is the Lord Jesus dying in our place. And when we do trust in Christ, that's precisely how God treats us and cares for us. He embraces us. He, he sees us as, as acceptable in His sight because of His Son dying in our place. That's a game changer. That should, that should transform our lives in such a way that when, when we see injustice, we want to speak up. We want to speak against that. We want to give a voice to those who have none. We want to fight uh, the, the tyrannies of this world. But it also impacts how we treat one another, how we parent our children, how we care for those who are unlovable. Uh, it's hard. It is, sometimes it is hard to love people. But when we step back and we think about the great love that God has shown us in His Son, might we, might we be so transformed that we love in the same way that He loves? Intentionally, uh, to make us acceptable in His sight. A, a great love. Uh, I've posted this on my Facebook page, but there is um, Zondervan Kids puts out a, a Bible uh, that speaks of kind of whispering uh, Jesus throughout the Scriptures, kind of showing how all of Scripture finds its culmination uh, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that talks about in Good Friday is it wasn't the nails that held him there. It was love, God's love for broken sinners like you and me. Christ was rejected. And and we read about it uh, in Isaiah, so that we might be embraced as his children. He he sought uh, to smite Jesus. He, He took pleasure in that, so that he could take pleasure in you and me as his sons and daughters. Do you believe it? Do you... Have you believed in it? Have you believed in Christ? Do you see Him dying in your place? Do you see Him taking the punishment that you deserve? Might you trust in Him? Might you rest in Him? Might you rest in the great love that the Father has shown you in Him? We've seen how Christ was rejected so that uh, we might be accepted. We also must see Christ die in our place so that we might receive salvation. Now, this idea of salvation as, as it has been revealed throughout Scripture has, has essentially been this. God is angry at our sin. His wrath burns. Uh, justice must be served. But instead of justice being poured on us, it has been poured out on the second person of the triune God, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, promised Messiah. God's plan has been unraveling up to this point. 
The sacrificial system has been pointing to uh, Jesus Christ as the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, this this context, this is uh, in history and its place in history, was uh, had the historical context of the Passover. And if if you reflect on the Passover, what do we see? We see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the angel of death passing over. So the blood of the lamb, the, the lamb was slain so that the people within that house did not, uh, was not slain. They were saved. God uh, passed over his, his wrath uh, upon them. And instead it was poured out upon his enemies, those who were not covered by the blood of the lamb. And we see Luke reminding us in some ways, visually, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ died in our place so that you and I might receive salvation. So that God may uh, wake, awaken the eyes of our hearts and see our need for Him. Recognize that we are worthy of God's wrath, but also recognize and rejoice in the fact that he has borne our wrath. The Lord Jesus, God himself, has borne our wrath. Could you imagine what Barabbas might have felt? There's probably endless ways that we could look at this. Maybe he, maybe he, this didn't impact his life at all. That's just a reality of the world that we live in. Unless the, the Spirit is at work, we will never fully understand who Jesus is or embrace the salvation that is freely offered in Him. Or, maybe he, it was taken aback. Maybe, what if, and, I, and we have to be very careful, what if Luke and every other Gospel writer talked about Barabbas? What if Barabbas came to faith? Maybe people could seek Barabbas out and say, what do you think about this? You saw, a, you, you, know, you saw a cross that was prepared for you. And you saw somebody, sorry, took, uh, take that cross in your place. How do you, what do you think about that? Maybe he said, better him than me. Or maybe there was a reality, uh, a truth that this was indeed God who has come in flesh, and all of history has been leading up to this point. His life, perfect and perfectly obeying uh, and, and living up to the righteous standard of the law, and his death uh, as a sacrifice, as a substitute for us. What a beautiful picture. To, to be able to put, an, in some ways, if, if you were reading this for the first time, there's a name and face, Barabbas. He took the cross of Barabbas. He took the, I'm Barabbas. He took my cross. I deserve his wrath. But I'm so grateful that it's been poured out on the Son rather than me. Christ died as our substitute so that we might receive salvation. So that God's wrath may be satisfied in Jesus Christ. So that, as I've stated before, that that unrepairable, broken relationship can be prepared, uh, repaired by Christ alone so that we can enter into his, his presence with confidence 
with assurance, with joy, with peace. We live in a world that often looks at us on the outside, right? Clothes that we wear, house that we live in, size of our bank account, the job that we have. And, and you know, there's, these standards are established early on. And if we don't live up to these, the standards of this world, how, how does it make us feel typically? Hopeless? Worthless? Uh, w- without direction or guidance? But, but what's offered here uh, in Jesus Christ is, is a significance, is, is a confidence, is an assurance that God embraces you as his children. He's given you a new identity. It's very easy to relate uh, sometimes to Barabbas, right? We, we struggle with sin. We, we feel it in our members. We give in to temptation. We beat ourselves up. But what do we see? We see Jesus dying for the dredge of society. 